The Athen Real Talk podcast explores controversial ideas to stimulate debate and active thinking. These ideas do not always reflect Athen's personal views. Welcome to the Athen Real Talk podcast. He has been called the best gamer in the world, hands down. World famous gamer and philanthropist Athen. Gaming for good, it's called, has raised more than $20 million. Using his notoriety to raise money for charity. On activism, science, culture, and self-development. I'm proud to have him in the studio today. I would not want to take you on in a video game. I wanted to talk about charity because it's very interesting to think about it. The fact that when I say charity, you guys group it all together. But when it comes down to charity, you have many different types of charities. You have charities that are extremely, extremely inefficient. And you have charities that are way more efficient. So if you just choose to donate your money to charity, that money, when donated to the right charity, can have exponentially more impact, can do exponentially more good. Yet, when it comes down to the intersubjectivity, giving to charity is all the same. But it is not. Because when it comes down to actual ripple effect of your money, certain charities are complete garbage to the point where they're just blatant scams. While other charities try to do really good work. And we have this tendency to just, yeah, when you give, you give. I mean, like you already gave, right? While the disconnect between just giving and the impact of what that giving does should not be disconnected because that's the reason why you give in the first place. But we live in such a intersubjective dictated reality where people just disconnect the giving by the impact and don't take responsibility for what the giving does. But then most of the time you're better off keeping that money and doing something more productive with it yourself than giving it to a shitty charity. So why is that? It's because people give to charities in an impulsive way, an emotional impulsive way. They don't really think it through. They just go like, yeah, for tax deductions or whatever. The thing is, though, do you know how that translates this emotional giving, which is completely derailed because when you disconnect the giving from what the giving actually does, you have a very derailed system where there is so much money that goes to charity that if it would go to the right charities, a lot of the problems that the world faces wouldn't even exist. Actually, there's trillions of dollars that go to charity. Trillions. If that money would be spent properly and would be managed properly, a lot of the current conflicts and the current poverty would just not exist. This has crazy ripple effects that even I experienced myself. And I will explain you guys some really nice story. And it boils down to how absurd it is to be charitable and giving from a pure emotional angle without thinking about the actual consequences of what you give. You can see one kid in a little picture saying like, oh, I need this, I need that, whatever, which is bad, of course. It's sad, but hey, like you you would literally be more inclined to give $1,000, $500 to one child that has a chance to get a cure for cancer, a small chance, when you're confronted with the right pictures, with the right feedback, then using that money to literally feed a thousand kids in Africa, for example. Even though on a humane level, even you would not disagree that a child is a child. But if your emotional buttons are not pushed right, you tend to make these completely, like people tend to make these completely dysfunctional actions and then still feel good about it while what they did was not that great of an act of kindness. It was more an act of selfishness because that money could be spent better to avoid actual crazy suffering in the world. That's why I always say that cognitive empathy, empathizing from a cognitive layer is way more superior, it's way more advanced 
yields way better results than emotional empathy because emotional empathy is much more unstructured, doesn't have as much consistency and also brings about a paradigm where you have this kind of shit where people would give literally $500 to a kid that has a chance to survive rather than saving or feeding a thousand. That also translates into something else, which is when we read about that one story in the newspaper of that one person dying or whatever, we are very much emotionally gravitating towards it. But if there is thousands of people dying every single day or there is whatever, like a famine or whatever, and we see a number like a million, we don't care. And that's normal because our brain, our emotional brain, did not evolve to do so. But our cognitive capacities allow us to reframe these things. And that's why I always say like, truly giving and truly caring requires you to sometimes be emotionally very cold. If I'm approached by a family member to donate a million or a hundred thousand dollars to save the life of their son or whatever, well, I would want to. Emotionally, I would want to. I'm not a fucking psycho. But I would know that it is wrong because that money can be spent to literally, you know, help an entire village lower child mortality. So being cognitively empathic yields a much better moral paradigm than just being emotionally empathic. But emotionally empathic feels also better. It's also uh, warmer. It is better for the experience. And since people are so experience driven, cognitive empathy and what I say here can sound very alien, even though... When you look at the facts and the results, what I'm saying makes a lot more sense. And the thing is, it translates also to other things, even political issues or whatever. The Syria crisis, right, when refugees were coming in, people had a very strong negative defense mechanism until that one kid that died on the beach. There was that picture went viral and everything. And then suddenly there was a wave of understanding, a wave of empathy that didn't last that long. But hey, it was just one uh, little week or so. And uh, it's because we identify with the death of one, but we don't identify with the death of millions. And millions is just a statistic. One is murder or whatever. It's a broken way of going about life. It's very dishonest. It's very uh, dysfunctional. So what does that translate towards me? Because these things that I'm talking about, it's very interesting to be very self-reflective and really catch yourself doing it because even I myself do it myself like when I'm more emotionally driven towards something I need to catch myself and reframe it myself when I see it and that's something that a lot of people don't tend to do when you're in an environment that just everybody stimulates it too either way another example I wanted to give is when it comes down to people that need help we have very simple very conditioned thoughts that we use to justify what we do For example, with the Syria crisis, I like the Syria crisis because we are partially responsible for it as Europe and US. Either way, people come in with phones, with cell phones. Oh, they have phones. Therefore, they can take care of themselves. They have money for a phone. Therefore, they don't have issues, right? And it's because we don't understand that when they were just having a normal life like us, they had luxuries and everything. They get bombed, whatever. They lose everything. The only thing they can carry around and run away with is their phone. That's literally their lifeline. Without the phone, they have no contact to the outside world, no contact, nothing. And yet still, we see a phone, we connect it with our own concept, through our own experience, think like, yeah, I can't even afford that phone. What are we helping them? It's just completely lunacy. And that comes to my other example. When I go to the field, right, because I went to Ethiopia, I went to Mali, I went to Indonesia. When we raised more than $23 million for children in need, right, there were certain places when I went there that people were not looking poor. They were very poor. They had almost no food, but they didn't look poor. 
And the thing is that when people look at poverty, they look at poverty. They don't think about the lifestyle of poverty, no food, no education, no this, no that. No, no, no. They look at it like you got to look poor, you got to look dirty. If you wash yourself and you look clean and you have clothes that look a bit clean, you're not poor. So like even when we went to, you know, Indonesia, it was a problem with Indonesia. When we saw, when we wanted to make videos and raise awareness around child mortality and such, we literally had to go and take certain angles to make it look very ghetto-ish. Because if the people were more cleaning and the environment looked more cleany, people just think these people can take care of themselves. They're not dirty. And that's the thing, like, we have these crazy biases and this complete lack of perspective and understanding that is on a certain level almost insulting that we carry around to justify our behavior that is extremely destructive. And then we also have the audacity to use that as an argument, even when facts disprove this way of thinking completely. But yet we still use our own little ivory tower and our own little bubble to justify how we look at things. And the problem here is that this type of mentality or this kind of awareness isolates yourself and disconnects you from reality. It doesn't help you grow. It doesn't help you adapt. It doesn't help you connect with the world. It isolates you. It turns you into a bigot. And the reason why I'm mentioning these things when it comes down to charity and stuff, and the reason why I'm talking about all these things, because if there is any part of you that values the truth, if there's any part of you that values to be aligned with reality, to not bullshit yourself, then being able to be aware how omnipresent it is in your awareness, in your opinions, in your ideas, in everything can bring about self-reflection that can enable you to grow tremendously. That's why I'm bringing these things up, because a lot of people don't even think about these things. Some people might be even defensive, go like a thing, this, a thing, that. I just say these things to highlight your potential and the extent to which you guys can do so much for the world. But yeah, when it's about spending money for charity, it's not about just giving to charity. Don't make it just about giving to charity. It's your responsibility to look up Is a charity reputable? What are the causes they're supporting? How much goes to this? Like how much percentage goes to that? And even then, it's important to be quite pragmatic about it as well because even charities, even the good charities, right? They are businesses. People make career, they make a living and sometimes they don't even care about doing good quite often actually. But it's not about whether they care about it or whether they get overpaid. It's about how much of my money goes to actual helping people. I'm going to give you guys another example. There was a guy, right? A big talker, friend of my family. I was there. I didn't say anything, but I'm just it's just a story. Guy was really like, yeah, loves to pretend to be on the side of righteousness, right? And he said that he was on the road in uh, Morocco and he was stopped by uh, police. And normally in police, at least back in the days, like 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, you gave your passport and you put money in your passport and they let you go. If you don't do that, they start doing checkups. And if you have the wrong guy and they see you're a tourist, I mean, they keep you staying forever. And the guy was really like proud saying like, yeah, that he was uh, stopped and uh, his wife was next to him and he gave his passport and they were uh, starting to talk to him and basically finding problems and he was like yeah it's not right and i was this and that guy ended up in fucking jail 
while Gail ended up being sent to the po- police office. And he was really so proud. Wasted like almost a day. And that's the thing, like this story, right? When you tell it to normal people, they would think like, but that's really cool. He's fighting the status quo. He's making people realize... No, he didn't do shit, first of all. He ended up wasting a lot of time, getting himself in trouble, and he didn't change the system at all. thing is, like, if you truly want to be righteous, what I would do, I would put money in my passport, give my passport, and the day that I have, I would work, make money, and give that money to people in need. For example, I would just spend my actions better. And that's the thing, like, when you look at moral high ground... From a practical level rather than a theoretical one, what is the best course of action, what is the most righteous behavior is very different than what the intersubjective thinks. And even though that story might sound really badass to people, it's not the right thing to do at all. If you truly care, if you as a human truly care about others, you look at numbers, you look at impact, you measure it and you see what is the best thing you can do. You don't just go about like, oh, this is what I feel, this is what I think and you lose yourself into that. Truly caring requires yourself to detach yourself from your own emotional moral compass. That's the true higher moral ground. And I will give you guys a very simple example here. And I'm simplifying because even working and then give the money to charity, I wouldn't do that. Because what's even better is to organize yourself and do things yourself. Because even charities, they're not that effective. Either way, I'm not going to go too much in that regards. I will give you guys another example. Organic food. Actually, I'm going to give you guys a better example. I'm going to give you guys a better example. But organic food is also a good example because a lot of people get identity of eating organic while they pay more money, have to work longer hours. While even if you eat just normal food, the difference in what you make, you put that effort in doing good, you will have a better footprint on the environment and the world than having to work longer hours and cut into your time in order to be able to provide and pay for these industries that have organic foods, which even when you look more into it, is also sometimes a business that exploits people. Either way, I'm going to give you guys another example. This is one, you guys are probably going to laugh at it, but it's a story. It's a real freaking story. And it just shows the hypocrisy of ourselves when we just do what feels right. It really highlights it because even when I confront him with it, it gets deflected. And it just goes to show that if you truly care You look at reality, you look at facts. You don't just lose yourself in your own little ID of what is good or bad. It's about reality defining what is right or wrong. Not you, not your beliefs, not your feelings. It's a mentality that yields much better results. Either way, a good old friend of mine, he bought an apartment. And um, what he had is he had an entire installation in the bathroom which had um, water that evaporates and starts dropping, right? And it dropped into the bath. So what he did was he had a system set up where he catched that water in a bin and he used that bin to flush the toilet. And he really was, he set up days to make that system. And he was really proud of himself. He was really like, look, I'm contributing to the world. I'm making sure that this water that would normally go to waste, I'm using it to flush the toilet. And I see that so often, even with people that go for sun panels or really make their house eco-friendly and spend fucking $100,000. It is so hypocritical because that money, these resources can be spent to do so much better in the world. Yet, in the intersubjective reality, people are really like, whoa, this guy's a good person. It's insane. And when you confront them with that, 
it doesn't bring about like, yeah, this is a point. No, they're attached to it. It's just their own spiel. It's still better than using 100K for a Ferrari. It's still better than that. But still, when it comes down to people that want to be more righteous, that gravitates more towards it, man, oh man, being honest to yourself can literally change the world. If everybody on the planet would be doing that, the difference would be insane. Ronichi says, Atina, I get your point of your friend's toilet that was stupid. However, I do believe solar panels on every roof of every house does contribute to a better planet. Well, the thing is, though, you have to see, I will give you a really good example here, right? When you go about it in that regards, right, you are looking at it in a very non-practical sense. You use the theory of a solar panel on every roof, on every house on the planet. You take that ID, you're emotionally attached to it, And you don't see reality for what it is. Because the thing is, it's not a solar panel on every roof on the entire planet. It's about you spending the resources and money to put solar panels on your roof. And then the question is not, is that the idea of solar panels on every roof on the entire planet? But no, your resources, can you spend them better? That is what it's about. And if you give me the ability to spend $100,000 or $20,000 or whatever on solar panels on my roof or allows me to literally give education to an entire village of thousands of people in Africa that ripples into better prosperity and everything for these people, I think that is even better. And not even slightly. Because solar panels on your roof is still quite of a luxury. Because that's also something that people don't realize. They think like, oh yeah, recycling and lowering your footprint. All this shit is such a privilege. You might say, what do you mean such a privilege? So you don't care about climate change? Of course I do. But there are more important problems on the planet. I mean, these are problems that you can be lucky to have and be lucky to think about when you're in a situation where you don't have to think about what you're going to eat. And that's the thing, like imagine, and the best way I could give you the example for you to relate to what I say, because maybe it's a bit too cognitive. It's like, imagine everyone on the planet was a clone of you. Everybody is literally you. So now you're in a position, right? You can say like, okay, I'm going to put solar panels on my roof, or I'm going to literally feed myself or provide for the framework for people like myself to get to a point where they can put solar panels on their roof. I think that's more important. It's about thinking as a collective. It's about having a collective awareness, not a self-focused one. It's about having a collective awareness. And when you start looking at that, you see like a lot of the debate about this or that or that takes place in your ivory echo chamber bubble of privileges. But if you're starving or if you're getting tortured, if you would see yourself being in that spot and you are in that spot, you would have another version of you let do everything to get you out of that. And that's why I said, like I said it many times and I'm saying it again, What has helped me a lot when I grew up was to put myself in the position of me being in Auschwitz. And really like the idea of going to the gas chambers or just going to these concentration camps, having my family on one row, my wife, my kids, whatever, and me on the other row. And they go to the gas chamber and get burned while I get tortured and pushed to work. That happened to people. It's not a story. And it could have been you. And me being aware of that, like being aware of going through the process, right, to really understand that I could have been there. And the real difference between me and that person, there is none. It's just luck. If I would have been born in that time and I would have been a Jew and I would have been caught, that's what would have happened. Being able to understand that if my version, right, which I see, I see you guys as all versions of me. Everybody, in essence, is equal. We're all just different versions of, of oneself. If I see... My version of me in Auschwitz, 
if that version of me can be a better person than me by, you know, putting more effort, even though his circumstances are terrible, his way of life is terrible, if I'm a worse person than the version of me in Auschwitz, then I deserve to be there and he deserves to be my spot. Like truly, fundamentally, I think like I don't deserve this. I need to do a better job. I need to be a better person than my version in Auschwitz. And this is not a lie. This is not a story. This is just a fact. If I now get kidnapped, they come in, they grab me, they put me into a chamber, they start torturing me. I will do anything. I will not slack. I will not procrastinate. I won't be a lazy slob. So because I have the privilege, right now, because I have the privilege, because I have the choice, I'm a worse person. I cannot live with that. So me that is put into a chair and being tortured would actually be more of a better person than me having all these luxuries, all these richnesses, these non-concerns, then it is better for the world for me to be in that chair. And that's why I cannot accept that. And that's why I always push myself. I will always push myself. Because I know no matter where I am, no matter where I stand, I know that if I get pushed because my choice is taken away, I will be a better person. And it's this truth that allows me to reframe everything. It's just this truth. That's why whenever I have a problem, right? And people go like, man, this and that. I say like, you don't understand. I have a good life. You know, when I went to save the children, right? was a guy that came to me. Not one guy, several people. And said like, how do you do it? And I said, do what? So that you support us for no money. You work your ass off on the stream, during the marathon, raising money for us, wanting nothing in return. How do you do it? You sacrifice everything. And I'm like, but I'm not. I say like the people that we help out, the money that goes to these people, right? These people have a much harder life than me. If I would say like, hey, let's trade life and you go and you work and you do this and I'll take your spot, they're starving. They would swap immediately. They wouldn't even think for a second. There is fathers right now that are starving, mining for 16 hours a day. These are the real heroes. I'm not a hero. I'm going to go and sleep in a bed tonight. I'm going to go back home and I don't have to worry about whether I'm going to be alive. That's the thing, like perspective, reframing can turn you into such a more potential person. And then like that's when choiceless awareness arises. I don't experience a choice. I just do what I got to do. I would feel dirty. I would feel dirty if I take the choice where I choose to be a lazy slob. I would feel I would feel terrible doing that. It's all about awareness. It's just about awareness. I can't get away with excuses. I can't. I just do what I got to do. And funnily enough, I'm also fulfilled. I'm quite happy. I'm more happy than most people in the chat. And it's an awareness that really greatly helps you and society. That's really how I think, by the way. That's really how I am, what I just explained. I don't know if it helps me giving these examples. I don't know if it helps. But that's really how I go about life. I don't know if it's too cognitive. Does it help to understand the way I think or not? I, I don't know. Maybe this just sounds alien. Waga says, I think I understand what you're saying, but that's it. I understand it, but I can't comprehend what you're saying. It's like asking someone to imagine the number one billion. You can't. Not if you haven't experienced anything like that, starving. But I haven't experienced starving myself. Watch a documentary about Auschwitz. And instead of watching it like Avengers or whatever, no, imagine you are that person. Can you guys imagine? Gestapo comes in, grabs you and your family. Imagine that happening. And then you see your family, the people you care about, you love. Put on one line, going to a chamber you don't even know. It's only when you are in the working camp, you see the chimneys. And they tell you, this is your family there. The dust there is your family. The smell, it's your family. And that shit happened. And it's not just that. This kind of misery happens today too. 
It's not just something from the past. People get tortured. There is war. Yemen right now. So many people starving. I'll give you another example. Can you imagine that you get a phone call and they say your house is burned and all your family is dead? You can imagine that. You can project yourself into that and really imagine that this is happening. This mental effort of going through these events allow you to increase your awareness. You are capable of doing that. You don't have to live life from a single player perspective. You can project. You can take yourself, you know, and look at these things. You can do that. It just takes effort. And then you understand. Subscribe to youtube.com slash Athene wins. Watch the live stream at twitch.tv slash Athene live. And follow the real Athene on Snapchat.